I want to empower you as the woman, as the reader, so that you can feel confident in it in the face of a system that doesn't really support it yet, that hasn't really caught up yet, that doesn't really acknowledge that it's a legitimate, valid type of birth control, and that hasn't really acknowledged that the menstrual cycle is a legitimate biomarker of a woman's health. Welcome back to the Essentially You podcast, all about reinventing your health with safer, cheaper, more effective natural solutions and powerful lifestyle changes so that you become the CEO of your health. I am your host, Dr. Marisa Snyder. Have you ever thought about your menstrual cycle being a vital sign, just like your pulse, temperature, respiratory rate, and blood pressure? Well, did you know that your menstrual cycle provides you with the essential information about your health and vitality? It plays a major role on your overall health during your childbearing years. Now, my amazing expert today is Lisa Hendrickson-Jack, and we are talking about the menstrual cycle as an essential part of our optimal health, that it is the fifth vital sign, and it's constantly reflecting the state of our health as women. Lisa teaches women to chart their menstrual cycles for natural birth control, conception, and overall health monitoring. In her work, Lisa draws heavily from the current scientific literature and presents an evidence-based approach to fertility awareness and menstrual cycle optimization. I don't know about you, but I'm all about optimizing my menstrual cycle, and the idea of it is so incredible. I mean, we've never been brought up, at least I wasn't brought up, to think about how I could optimize my health through my menstrual cycle. I believe that this is very much a conversation that we need to be having in our culture because today we are suppressing our cycle with synthetic hormonal birth control and it is considered normal and even highly encouraged. Now it's the perspective like Lisa that opens the door to taking control of your health in a big way. Before we jump into this powerful interview about owning our menstrual cycle and understanding its connection to our overall health with Lisa, I want to quickly celebrate you and your wins. One particular healing rock star is Lourdes, and I'm excited to shout out her win as she shared on iTunes last week. Dr. Marisa's podcast delivers useful information and enumerates up-to-date health issues and recommendations with mindful solutions. She showcases valuable guest speakers to discuss the current health concerns and provides professional advice to take charge of our own health. I enjoy listening to her podcast on my drives to and from work. I highly recommend her books and podcasts to all my friends. And I never have any dull moments while listening to her podcast. She is always upbeat and so are her guests. Well, Lourdes, thank you so much for sharing your win and your feelings around the podcast, the episodes, and the guests. You have no idea how much that means to me. I am so grateful to get to serve you on your work commute, and I'm happy that you enjoy the interviews as much as I do. Now, if you're listening, I would love to gift you my Superwoman blend. You know it's one of my favorites, and people love it. Just reach out to me via Facebook or on Instagram at Dr. Marisa. Fellow podcast listeners, you know what's up. You know that I love to shout you out. So you can reach out to me via Instagram, Facebook, or simply reviewing this podcast on iTunes or whatever podcast platform you love to plug into. That way, not only can I get a sense of what you need and what you're looking for, but I can also continue to support even more women as we navigate this information around women's hormone health or women's health in general, because I know so many women are ready to become the CEO of their own health. Well, now that we have shared your wins. Let's dive into this incredible conversation with Lisa Hendrickson-Jack. But first, I want to take a moment and sing her praises. Lisa Hendrickson-Jack is a certified fertility awareness educator and holistic reproductive health practitioner who teaches women to chart their menstrual cycles for natural birth control, conceptions, and monitoring their overall health. In her new book, The Fifth Vital Sign, Lisa debunks the myths that regular ovulation is only important when you want to have children by recognizing that menstrual cycles are a vital sign. 
Drawing heavily from the current scientific literature, Lisa presents an evidence-based approach to fertility awareness and menstrual cycle optimization. She hosts the Fertility Friday podcast, a weekly radio show devoted to helping women connect to their fifth vital sign by uncovering the connection between the menstrual cycle, health, fertility, and overall health. Well, let's bring her on. Welcome to the Essentially You podcast, Lisa Hendrickson. How are you doing, honey? I am doing really good. Thank you so much for having me. Oh my goodness. And I know we've had the most yummy chat before we got started. I just love all the things you're doing. Can I just say that right now? Your mission, all of it. I'm so glad that we get to connect. I knew I knew that because I was going to have you on the podcast, I was going to get a little selfish time with you. I know you probably didn't know that. <laughs> well, I mean, the feeling is mutual. And I recently had you on my podcast and I just... Our interview is one of my favorites. Honestly, uh, you could tell how enthusiastic I was and you taught me so much about essential oils. So it's definitely, I'm admiring everything you're doing as well. And can you tell us any, what is your podcast name? It's Fertility Friday. I've been podcasting for about five years now. And essentially it's, it's the message of how important your menstrual cycle is for health. And of course I teach fertility awareness. So just sharing the knowledge about our menstrual cycle that as women, we should have been taught, but we obviously weren't. No, we obviously weren't. Oh my goodness. I remember, oh, do, do you even remember when you got your period and you know, no one said nothing to me. I feel like my mom like shoved a couple of pads underneath the door. Like, you know, it's oh no. <laughs> like it was I like actually, that. <laughs> I actually do remember when I got my period. I mean, I wasn't completely in the dark. My mom, to her credit, she did a really great job. She bought a book. I forget what it was called. It was one of those like teen books. And we actually read it together. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So she really she did what she could. And I remember when I got my period because uh, I went to a Catholic school and it was literally like my friends were being confirmed and I got my period, my first period in a church. <laughs> what? That is so <laughs> but crazy. But I was 14, so I, I and I, I I was ready for it, you know, so I I it wasn't this traumatic event for me. Oh my goodness. I was also in Catholic school at the time. I wasn't in school though. I was summertime. I was at a roller skating rink. It was in the eighties. Was it eighties? Maybe it was early nineties. I don't know. I had the the cut jean shorts and you remember like, what was it? Oh gosh. New kids on the block. You know, oh, like, yeah. <laughs> so I had like the little, the, the shirt on the side that it was like a, a knot on the side. Thank God it was long enough. You know, oh, no. <laughs> oh my goodness. I had a little boyfriend. I was 11 years old. Anyway, it was, I came home. I did not know what was going on. I was just so embarrassed. No one said anything to me. Oh. All of a sudden there was this big mark on my, my shorts, you know, and I had a long enough shirt to cover it. So yeah, so that, that was my journey. I just really didn't have a grasp or understanding of it. So what we're going to be talking specifically about today, I know we've already gotten so excited and getting into this conversation, is your menstrual cycle being not only essential for optimal health, but girl, it is the fifth vital sign. That's what we're going to be talking about today. And this is also the title of your book, which by the way, is absolutely incredible. We're going to be talking about that. But let's talk a little bit about what that means. And most specifically, I want to get into... Let's start with your journey first. Kind of what what inspired you to to go into this route, one a much needed route for women today. But then also once once we answer that question, you know, really understanding what a vital sign is and how this is connected to our reproductive health care. You know, the short version of the story for me was that I discovered fertility awareness when I was quite young. And so my story is a bit unusual. So, you know, I just graduated from high school. I was in university and I had from the first period, I had painful periods and heavy periods. And so I went to the doctor at a young age with the intention of getting on the pill because that's the only way I knew how to manage it. But because I was taking the pill, for that reason, I wasn't taking it for birth control at the time. I would sometimes come off of it just to see if anything had changed. And every time I did, my periods would come back heavier, like with a vengeance and more painful. So even at a young age, I was keenly aware that it wasn't fixing anything because it never made it better. It just, when I was on it, it was kind of okay. And then when I was off of it, it would go back right back to what it was before. Also, when I actually did need birth control because I wasn't taking it properly, and because I had been taught, like most women are taught, 
incorrectly that we are fertile every single day of our cycles and that we could get pregnant basically every single day, I was flat out terrified. Because you were Catholic. (laughs) (laughs) And I was convinced that if I ever had sex with a, with a man, I would basically be pregnant that day. Like that afternoon, I would already be pregnant. So I was so terrified of getting pregnant and potentially not knowing because of the birth control. And I hadn't been taking it properly because I was taking it for health reasons. So I wasn't taking it, say, at the same time every day. Like I was a nerd back then too. I had read the whole insert. So I knew that I would just always be on a state of alert. And I knew that I would have to use condoms all the time because, (laughs) because I would be too terrified. So with that said, I discovered fertility awareness kind of around that time when I was looking for birth control. I knew that even though I had been on the pill, I didn't want to use it for birth control. I was a little bit nervous about the fact that I did have these issues with my cycle and I wanted to find a way to make it better. Like I didn't have the language when I was like 18, but I did feel that there was something wrong. And I, I thought that you should be able to fix it. You should be able to have periods that aren't painful, periods that aren't super heavy. When I first learned fertility awareness, I learned around women who taught. So when I, where I went to university, I lived in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, and there's few organizations that are secular that teach fertility awareness in North America, especially almost 20 years ago. And it just so happened that, you know, Justice HealthWorks was located in the city that I went to school in. And it just so happens that on my university campus, there was a group of women, some of whom were trained educators, some of whom were training, that held monthly meetings and taught charting. So I learned right out the gate from women who are much wiser than me. And I took a training class. And so in my early 20s, I was already teaching women to chart their cycles. And I already understood how deeply connected your menstrual cycle is to your overall health, because that was quite literally my experience of learning charting. So fast forward to now, I decided to start my podcast and really start putting it out there around the time I had my first son. Because although at that point, I had already been charting for well over 10 years and I was, you know, I was able to take this information for granted, but I realized even though I had been doing it for so long, your average woman still has no idea how her cycle works. So that's basically what brought me into the work that I'm doing now. So What's so fascinating about all of this, it's like, it was like divine intervention <laughs> right? from the get-go. Like God's, God or whoever is just like, no, this is what Lisa's doing for the rest of her life. I love it's that. Because so <laughs> when I talk about the story kind of in retrospect, it's like, what are the chances of this happening? Right? It's so much so. And so there are parallels between you and I a little bit, mainly because we both went to Catholic school and mainly because probably those, you know, those, those same forces told us that any, someone could sneeze on you and get pregnant, right? you know, and you know, I was so freaked out and afraid. And, you know, I was on birth control for a long time. I just, I didn't read the insert girl. I, you know, that was the only thing I, I wasn't, I was like, does this work? Okay, good. I'm safe. I just love that this has been a part of your journey for, for so long. And it just felt like it became your calling, given that you know, and I both, you and I both know that most women have absolutely no idea what's going on. And we're just blindly thinking that we can get pregnant at any given moment. We are blindly believing what the doctors have to say in terms of what birth control can do for us. So I feel like a lot of us just don't really understand what's going on. So let's talk about that vital sign and why we should consider the menstrual cycle to be a vital sign. How do, how do we connect these two? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, a, a vital sign is a bodily function that gives us information about our health. And the most common vital signs that we're familiar with are our heart rate, body temperature, respiratory rate, how many breaths we take each minute, and of course, our blood pressure as well. And so we all have a sense that, you know, if you go to the doctor, they're going to check your vitals, make sure everything's okay. But within each vital sign, there's a commonly accepted normal parameter, let's say. And so the doctor knows right away by checking your vitals if there's something off and it's in real time. So it's a real time measure. It's telling the doctor something that's happening right now. And in addition to that, if you think about each of the vital signs, we have this accepted normal range. And if your signs fall above or below, so we can take body temperature. You know, if your body temperature is too high, not only does it tell the doctor that there's something wrong, it gives the doctor a specific roadmap 
of, well, could it be an infection? Could it be localized? Could it, could, could it be an illness? Same thing with all of the other vital signs. You know, high blood pressure would give the doctor a few specific areas to look into. And in that same way, the menstrual cycle is a vital sign because the menstrual cycle it adjusts and changes in real time based on what's happening in your body. I mean, this is something that you you can discover for yourself through charting. And when I talk about the menstrual cycle, I think it's helpful to also mention that it's not just your period. I was talking to one of my clients the other day, one of my newer clients, and I, I asked her, what, you know, how long is your menstrual cycle? And she proceeded to tell me about her period. She's like, oh, well, you know, it's usually about four or five days. So when I talk about the menstrual cycle, it starts the first day of your period, the first day of your true flow, typically when you have to use something to catch your bleeding. And then it goes all the way up until the end of, you know, the day before your next period starts. So, you know, when we were growing up in our separate Catholic schools, we it's almost like you're taught about the menstrual cycle. You're taught that you have a period and then it's like fast forward and then you have another one. And we never talk about what happens in between. But when we think of the menstrual cycle as a vital sign, we can break the menstrual cycle up into the different parts. So we have your period. We would expect in a healthy cycle for your period to be, you know, anywhere from three to seven days. After your period is kind of wrapping up, we would expect to have a couple days before you start to see cervical mucus. And then as you approach ovulation, we would expect to see cervical mucus. So on average, anywhere from two to seven days. And it can look like creamy white hand lotion. It can look like clear, stretchy, raw egg white type fluid. And for some women, they'll just notice that when they're going to the bathroom and they're wiping, it's really slippery. Or they might notice that uh, you have to wipe a couple of times before you feel dry. But either way, as you approach ovulation, you would expect to see cervical mucus. In a healthy cycle, you would expect to ovulate. (laughs) And once you ovulate, you would expect that cervical mucus to dry up. And then you would expect to have your period about 12 to 14 days later. And so when you have a sense of like, oh, there's more to this menstrual cycle than we're typically taught. And there's all these different aspects of it. And then we can start breaking it down. So when a person has been trained to read the menstrual cycle, then you can look at the period. Is it normal? Is it long? Is it too long? Is it too short? Is it too heavy? Is it too light? You can look at the cervical mucus patterns. Does she have mucus every single day? Does she not have any mucus at all? You know, is it falling within the normal parameters? Does she ovulate? Is ovulation happening? When is it happening in the cycle? Is it happening earlier? Is it happening later? Is it happening at all? (laughs) And then the second half of the cycle, you know, it's supposed to be about 12 to 14 days. That's an indication of your hormonal health. If it's shorter than that, you're not necessarily getting sufficient progesterone in your cycle. So, you know, how long is the phase? Is it too long? Is it too short? Do you have bleeding before your period? All of these things. So when you think of it like that and you kind of break it down, then it makes a lot of sense because one of the things that any woman who's charted her cycles for a period of time, I think one of the most surprising aspects of your cycle in general is how sensitive it is to different events in your life. So whether we're talking about day-to-day events, such as you know, a stressor, if, you, if you're experiencing acute stress at work, if you have a, like a specific stressful event, it, you can see that in your cycle. So you might experience a delayed ovulation or you might experience the, your luteal phase, the second half of your cycle being a little on the shorter side, that cycle. If you have a chronic stressors, so there's something that's happening in your life that's kind of causing chronic issues, you can see patterns in your menstrual cycle that will re- reflect that. If you have a specific issue, an endocrine issue, for example, if you have a thyroid disorder, if you have a gut issue or something like that, again, these things will show up in the menstrual cycle. And I think for a lot of women who discover charting, maybe they just want to help for charting, a lot of women discover it when they're trying to get pregnant. So they're just trying to optimize their chances of getting pregnant. Or many women discover it when they're looking for non-hormonal birth control. So they're looking at it for what it can do for them, a specific purpose. But what they discover along the way is, wow, you know, my menstrual cycle really does reflect the state of my overall health. And it can be the first sign very early on, show you these really subtle signs of a health issue. And that's why we we should be paying attention to it. And we should be recognizing that it's more than just whether or not you have babies. It's really a sign of health. Mm, I absolutely 100% agree. So, and we wouldn't really know that unless we were kind of digging in and charting what is going on. So I take it that's something that you would recommend all women do. Is that correct? Well, I mean, I would say that the my opinion on it, I mean, as a fertility awareness educator, it would seem like I, I would be saying every single woman should be charting and this should be the method everyone should be using. But that's not how I see it. 
I believe that every woman has the right to know exactly how their body and their fertility work. So what I think every woman deserves to know is the education piece of it, how the menstrual cycle works. What is cervical mucus and why is it important? What are the signs of ovulation? You know, what does a normal cycle look like? So we're taught, you know, a menstrual cycle is always 28 days and ovulation always happens on day 14. However, women aren't robots. And when you actually look at what's happening in the menstrual cycle, I mean, there's research and there's lived experience and all these different things combined. A healthy cycle falls somewhere between 24 to 35 days typically. And that would place ovulation in that context about, you know, days, it can happen anywhere from say days 10 to days 23. So having just a general sense of what is normal and healthy in the menstrual cycle, why the menstrual cycle is important, what are the menstrual cycle events, there's a term body literacy that I use a lot. And that's basically what it refers to. So I think every woman should have the opportunity to develop body literacy and to be taught just this most basic information about our menstrual cycles and how it works. And then some women are really going to resonate with it and they're going to want to use it as a birth control. So there are some women like myself discovered fertility awareness and I was like a, like a moth to flame, as they say. I was like, yes, that's for me. I resonate with that. I want to, I want to learn how to use it. I want to avoid hormones. I want to understand my body and I want to use that for birth control. But not every woman is necessarily going to want to take it that far. Not every woman is necessarily going to want to make it their, her primary birth control method, but we all should be able to have that opportunity to learn how our cycles work. Mm, I absolutely 100% agree. And as we're talking about that fifth vital sign and paying attention to what is going on with our bodies, you know, I we were talking about this earlier. I think that hormones are kind of one of the first alarm bells that kind of indicate that something isn't right. Maybe it's stress. Maybe it is toxic load. Maybe it's inflammation. So when we're looking and charting or just getting a sense of what's going on with our menstrual cycle and we're not seeing the things that we should, that are considered relatively normal, is it time to start digging deeper into what is going on? I would say yes. And I'll give a couple of examples of just some subtle things that you can pick up from charting. And I often find myself wondering, like, if you weren't charting, would you know? So for me personally, I came face to face with the connection between your menstrual cycle and your health very, very early on. So I was in my post high school feminist phase, right? I was (laughs) going to all these talks on- Weren't we all, girl? (laughs) (laughs) I was reading all these books and and discover, I discovered fertility awareness and I was charting. And I remember, you know, the first thing I did when I discovered fertility awareness is I ran out and bought Taking Charge of Your Fertility. And I was attending these monthly sessions, as I mentioned. And I remember somewhere in there reading about how cycles could be different lengths, you know. And so I, in, in Taking Charge of Your Fertility, she shows examples of short cycles and long cycles and regular cycles. And my cycles were an average of, say, 45 days long. <laughs> But I didn't know anything when I first started charting. So I was like, okay, well, you know, my cycles don't have to be 28 days. That's just how my cycles are. They're just long and that's okay. And I'm a feminist. This is wonderful. But fortunately for me, um, (laughs) I was charting amongst women who knew way more than I did. So my charting instructor had to look at my charts and she was like, yeah, Lisa, that's too long. And your temperatures are way too low. I think you need to book an appointment with your doctor and get your thyroid tested. I mean, how many ways can you say mind blown, right? I didn't even understand what had had just happened. The woman had looked at my menstrual cycle chart and told me that I might have a thyroid issue. And then I did go to my doctor and I did have a thyroid issue and I ended up on medication, (laughs) which over time, once I addressed that, my cycles settled down and fell into normal parameters. So my first experience with charting was that it was an indication of health right off the bat. And some other more subtle examples, because it's not always a thyroid disorder. Although it can be, right? I mean, my goodness. (laughs) Well, and the signs specifically were my temperatures were too low. My cycles were very long and meaning that my ovulation was delayed every time. And so I mentioned that a healthy cycle falls somewhere between 24 and 35 days. And even 35 days is kind of pushing the top limit, right? right? That's, That's kind of on that higher end. Like if you're pushing 35 days, it's still worth looking at. Absolutely. Yeah. And mine were 45, you know, on average. And sometimes they were 38. (laughs) Still above 35, girl. 
<laughs> exactly. And it did indicate that there was something going on. So for instance, some of the more subtle signs to watch for, even having an understanding of cervical mucus. So you shared your experience being 11 years old and getting your period. Obviously, there was no education there, so you didn't even know what was going on. But let me propose to you, you know, a different way that this could look for young women growing up now. So a true menstrual period only happens after ovulation. And when you're charting your cycles, you kind of develop this understanding that what you're seeing is a reflection of what's happening hormonally. So in the first half of the menstrual cycle, that's when our ovaries are producing estrogen as we approach ovulation. And that estrogen is what triggers our cervical mucus production. So it's all connected. And then after ovulation, that's when we produce progesterone. And progesterone then shuts down the mucus production and causes other changes in our cycle. So quite literally, when you're reading your cervical mucus throughout your cycle, you're getting a printout of what's happening hormonally. So in this, what I hope to be the next generation of women who have the opportunity to learn about how their menstrual cycles work, even before they get their first period. Imagine if someone had told you that in addition to having periods, women also produce this incredible cervical mucus, you know, before ovulation. And mucus is basically like a superhero because it can keep sperm alive for up to five days. It's essential for natural conception and it just does a lot of incredible things. And it's an essential part of understanding your fertility. So imagine if instead of thinking that you were just getting this discharge that could possibly be an infection, <laughs> that someone told you that it was a healthy and normal part of being a woman. And it actually... It, it, it coincides with ovulation because you produce it before ovulation. And then about 12 to 14 days after it dries up, you get your period. So what would life have been like for you if, if you had had this amazing conversation when you were a little girl, just in general? It doesn't have to be like super detailed, age-appropriate conversation. And you could have seen your cervical mucus about 12 to 14 days before you ever had your first period. Mm -hmm. And ran and said, oh my goodness, mommy, I saw my cervical mucus. I think I'm, I'm you know, going to be ovulating soon. So this is what's possible when we understand our cycles. Women could be getting the heads up before your first period ever comes. And you could be completely ready for it and celebrate it. Absolutely. It changes everything. You know, I, I have a dear friend of mine, Dr. Nat Kragungas, who wrote a book called Beautifully You, and it's really addressing younger girls, teenagers and young adults. She specifically dives into whose responsibility is it to create this legacy for this next generation? And it's all of ours. I think we all play a role in ensuring that our daughters or our nieces and everyone in our life really comes and steps into their menstrual cycle empowered, right? Understanding what's really going on. And I think that the vision that you have is I'm holding space for that. It's completely possible. I mean, there are a growing number of young women who are going to have this experience. As more and more women learn about fertility awareness and just the menstrual cycle in general, it, it opens up this possibility for this to be the reality for teenage girls growing up. To kind of go back to what some of the more subtle ways that your menstrual cycle can tip you off. So in that example, basically, I'm just sharing what we all should have, which is just a basic knowledge of what's normal and what cervical mucus is, what it looks like, when we should be seeing it, etc. So for example, one of the trends that really surprised me in my work as an educator is how common it is to see signs on the menstrual cycle chart of, say, cervical dysplasia. So that is, you know, abnormal cells of the cervix. When a woman has cervical dysplasia or abnormal cells of the cervix, which is really common, especially in women with a long history of hormonal birth control use because cervical dysplasia is associated with folate deficiency, which the birth control pill causes. Just destroys, <laughs> just obliterates just it out your B yeah. vitamins. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. Can we just, yeah. The birth, As, birth control obliterates everything. That's, yeah. that's just a hot, this, just yeah. in case y'all didn't know that, we're just going to say it right now. Yeah, hotmess.com. Exactly. But there's a specific link to that. And so one of the things that is interesting about charting is that when women do have dysplasia or abnormal cervical cells, one of the very subtle signs is a type of discharge that you wouldn't necessarily notice if you weren't charting. So with cervical mucus, like I mentioned, it looks kind of like the lotion-y or kind of like raw egg whites. And you you see it as you approach ovulation. So really and truly in a healthy cycle, you would expect to see it for about an average of two to seven days, like not 15 days, not 25 days and not like no days. 
so for women who have these abnormal cervical cells, what they're observing is a type of wetness. It's almost like water. So when they're wiping themselves, the toilet paper is often wet and it's not pee. And it's not lubricative, like it's not slippery. And it doesn't just happen with ovulation. It happens all this, like it, it happens after ovulation, like it basically happens on any day of the cycle. And depending on how a woman's body specifically responds and depending on how much that it has progressed, some women will also describe a feeling, they describe it as a gush of water. So you're living your life and it feels almost like you've peed, but you didn't. It feels like a gush of water has come out of your vagina, essentially. And then you go to the bathroom, but there's there's no period like, and it's not slippery. It's not like mucus. So anyways, one of the things that surprised me when I was working with women is how common that is. I, I've gone so far as to say in the book, I believe I say that it's about 20%, 15 to 20% of the women that I work with. And it's not always the gushing because it's a spectrum. So some women just have a bit of wetness, dampness all the time. And it's not mucus. So what I'm saying is that when you have an understanding of what is normal and you have an understanding of what you should be seeing, then for the women who are fortunate enough to work with someone who knows, then I'm you know, saying, okay, well, you're seeing this, we're seeing it, we've charted together for two cycles now, we're seeing this wetness, dampness throughout your cycle. You know, I think that you should go and get this checked out just to make sure, rule out abnormal cervical cells. So I've sent many women to the doctor and it's because of that subtle sign that they're seeing on their chart that they're getting this identified at a very early stage. That makes so much sense. Oh my goodness. Absolutely. I'm sure this is kind of a mind blowing experience for them as well. What's interesting about the chart is that, I mean, for me, of course, like this is what I do. So I read charts and, um, but you're seeing essentially, you have the opportunity, I should say, to see what could turn into eventually a big problem. Yes. But before over time. Problem, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Before you have the crazy diagnosis and all of the, all the issues, you see these subtle signs on your chart. So for me, I didn't, I wasn't like significantly overweight and depressed when I was, di- you know, diagnosed with thyroid issue. It was subclinical. I wasn't even aware of any, like feeling really tired or anything like that. Like it was caught at a subclinical level, it was caught before it even had the opportunity to progress to give me a bunch of problems. That is so important. When I'm sharing the, the concept of the menstrual cycle as a vital sign, I mean, that's, that's really profound because this gives you an opportunity to, to notice subtle things in your health that have nothing to do, again, with, with wanting to have a baby. And I'm not you know, knocking it, but I'm trying to share the idea that your menstrual cycle is important regardless of whether you want to have children. And it it's so connected to your health that when your health is off, your menstrual cycle is also off. And if you know that, for many of my clients, I think what it does for them is often we have a subtle inkling that there's something wrong. You know, we have our intuition, it's whispering to us, but we don't really live in a world that tells us to follow our intuition or that even necessarily encourages us to do so. So for a lot of the women that I work with, having this additional physical sign, being able to chart it, having this thought. So for instance, if you are working a lot, your job is really demanding and you have this feeling like it could be affecting your health, but you don't really know. And then you start charting and then you start to see maybe signs of low hormone production, short luteal phase, et cetera. And then you make some changes. You know, you develop some stress management strategies, you change your work schedule, and then you start to see that your cycle improves. For many women, it's the first opportunity for them to have a tangible representation to validate what they've been feeling all along. Mm -hmm. What I love about it so much, I think that this is such a powerful thing. And not to say that women shouldn't get tested. I love Oprah. Oprah's like, you know your numbers, (laughs) right? Everyone know your numbers. But this is a great way. You know, women always ask me, can I start working on my hormones? Can I start working on, you know, regulating my, my menstrual cycle without having to do all these tests? And I'm like... Absolutely. If you have a good sense of what's going on in your cycle and you, you're able to cue into what your body's needing, it's a way in order to kind of analyze what's happening with our body. And again, not to say that we shouldn't run tests and see what's going on, but we can make such great changes and see in real time the way that our body's responding based on charting our menstrual cycle. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Quick question real quickly, because my audience is more of a, my, a lot of my audience is in their late thirties or in their forties or in their fifties. So they're heading into perimenopause and menopause. How does this shift for us? 
as we enter, as we, things start to get a little bit wonky? Well, it's interesting because there's one study that I quoted in the book and it, it looked at thousands of women and I believe they had a quarter of a million menstrual cycles. So the study was a longer term study where they had women chart basically cycle lengths, but from menarche to menopause. So throughout the whole reproductive life. And it's a really interesting study. It was done in the, I think it was done, it was done in the forties, I think. And what's interesting about that is that they did it before there was a pill. So these were basically virgin cycles, as I call them, women who just, they never had, the pill didn't exist. So these were, it was just a measure of of women's cycles. And so as you approach menopause, what typically happens, and I think it's helpful to note, you know, menopause is the word for the end. So kind of the last period. So just like menarche is the first period, menopause is the last period. And so then we'd have that pre-menopause or perimenopause period of time. And that is typically the 10 years as you approach menopause. So some women may continue cycling fairly normally and may not necessarily experience dramatic shifts in their cycles. Some women may start to notice that as they approach menopause, their cycles are start to shorten. So for some women, they go from having an average 29-day cycle, the average kind of shortens. So ovulating earlier essentially in the cycle and maybe having cycles that are more like between day 21 days and 29 days, you know, instead of the 24 to 36, 35 day range that we were talking about. So that's one of the things that women notice. And I think from both perspectives for women who are not trying to get pregnant and women who are trying to get pregnant, I think it's helpful to recognize that it's normal for the cycles to fluctuate a bit. And even if your cycles have been fairly regular throughout your lives, it's helpful to kind of prepare yourself for the fact that it could shift and you could begin to ovulate earlier in your cycle. So that's where for you know women who are kind of using not necessarily the method, but kind of kind of aware of their cycles and maybe using a charting app and kind of avoiding around the time that they think they're going to ovulate, that's the time when you can get pregnant <laughs> because you can ovulate a lot earlier than you thought. Mm, good to know. Yeah. And then on the flip side as well, for women who are trying to get pregnant, it can sabotage their chances. They can inadvertently find themselves using fertility awareness for birth control, even though they weren't trying to. Because if you if you are following the idea that, you know, ovulation happens on day 14, et cetera, et cetera, but you're starting to, your cycles are starting to shift a little bit and ovulation starting a little bit early. I actually had a woman in my Facebook group who was timing sex based on her understanding of timing. And it wasn't until she started paying attention to her mucus and she would see mucus, like say day six of her cycle. But her initial thought was, well, no, that's impossible. <laughs> She's like, that's not what that is. I don't know yeah, what yeah, that is, but that isn't it. it. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so our minds are really powerful. You can fully be seeing it and saying like, no, nah, that's nah, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> um, so in her case, though, she was trying to get pregnant. And so she didn't realize it, but she was avoiding sex on the most important days. days, essentially. Yeah. So having that general understanding is helpful for fertility. But also having an understanding that your menstrual cycle is a vital sign and that when you're experiencing symptoms out of the ordinary, that it's a sign that there could be something wrong, I think is a very powerful and important message for women who are approaching menopause. Because our culture basically tells us that menopause is this horrible time when you have hot flashes all the time and you're moody and emotional and you know your vagina is super dry and sex is painful and that, like it just goes on and on and on. So well, it's, it's a disease, I, girl. Like, right? I mean, that's what oh. it is. A bunch of old <laughs> grouchy men wrote it up. Like it was a disease. Oh my goodness. No wonder. Well, then you have women our age who are basically really scared of it. And we kind of, you know, maybe dread it because we think it's going to be this horrible, horrible thing. But what I would have to say about that, first of all, it's a normal and natural stage of life. I mean, it's, there's a reason why our reproductive uh, life comes to a close and, and that's okay. And it's a normal part of being a woman. But also what I would say is for women who are experiencing a really hard pre-menopause where they are having the hot flashes and they are having all of these issues and things like that, that is your vital sign in action. I mean, that is a sign that we have to be looking at hormonal balance. We have to be looking at lifestyle factors, dietary factors. We have to be supporting hormone health. And if you're charting during that time, 
it can keep you grounded because if you, again, if you know what a healthy cycle is supposed to look like and you start to notice that you're see, having these signs or your cycles are really changing, it can be a sign that we need to be looking more at the overall health aspect of it. And it's also helpful to have someone just say out loud, no, it's not normal for basically that premenopause period to be hell on earth. It's not supposed to be that way. No, it's not. Absolutely no. And I really appreciate you you mentioning that and you kind of giving us a little bit of insight into that as well, that we can be tracking it. You know, women are like, well, I don't even need to do any of that at this point. You know, but it gives, again, it gives us a sense of what's really going on and not to say that you shouldn't be looking at, at your hormones and your numbers, but you note that most likely life, modern life, lifestyle, inflammation is all playing a major role here. And we know it's all playing a major role in showing what's going on in the menstrual cycle as well. So much of why our menstrual cycle can be thrown off is due to inflammatory issues, or maybe it's a thyroid concern, or maybe it's too much stress or toxins, or we're, or we're, our gut is messed up. I mean, there's so many things that we can look at that really lends to creating issues in our menstrual cycle. It's, it's, you just can't blame your reproductive hormones. There's something else at play there. I suppose one of the myths that I, I don't know if I would call it a myth, but let's just go with it for now. But the idea that it's really so, either it's so complicated that we need like all of the medical care or that it's so simple that all I need to do is take vitamin D or something and everything is going to be okay. The process of improving your menstrual cycle, it's kind of simultaneously complicated and simple. And one of the things that charting really helps with it helps you to recognize how powerful certain day-to-day lifestyle things can be with your cycle. I was just speaking with a woman. I interviewed one of my clients for the podcast and she was sharing one of her experiences. So she started charting when she was breastfeeding. And in her case, one of the things that she had to learn how to chart was that after in her postpartum period, she had some degree of mucus every day. So she basically was seeing a type of lotiony mucus every single day. And it's not uncommon postpartum, and, and it's not even uncommon in general. You know, uh, some women do experience, we call it a pattern of continuous mucus. But as I've been alluding to all this time, there is a, a range of what we would call normal. And so continuous mucus, although it's common, it does indicate something. We do want to look at something. You want to rule out if there could be a yeast infection, a subtle one or something like that. And you also want to rule out if it could be kind of hormonal or if there, if it could be a response even to food allergies or sensitivities, because you're, it's very interesting. Your mucus responds to your gut. And so I've worked with clients who have sensitivities to things and they, they got the mucus all the time. And then when they figure out what they're sensitive to and start addressing it, the mucus goes away. So it's, again, it's a mirror of what's happening in your health. But in her case in particular, she was working with a practitioner who asked her, you know, are you sleeping in the dark? Like, what is the quality of your sleep environment? You know, how are you sleeping, et cetera, et cetera. And so her sleep environment was not dark. And so what she ended up doing was, you know, putting something over her window and really optimizing her sleep environment to make sure, because we may not realize it, but our bodies are really sensitive to light. We're not supposed to be sleeping with light at nighttime. It disrupts our melatonin production. And there's a lot of research that confirms that whether it's light exposure in the evening, you know, as you're supposed to be winding down or whether you are actually sleeping and there's light coming in, it suppresses your melatonin, which would then have an effect on your menstrual cycle. So in her case, that's what she did. She literally just made her room dark. And then over, you know, the course of a cycle or so, she noticed that she didn't have this continuous pattern of mucus every day. So, you know, sometimes I think we underestimate the impact of focusing on those basic lifestyle factors like optimizing our sleep, making sure we're managing our stress, making sure we're not eating sugar all the time, (laughs) watching our coffee consumption. Are you drinking three cups of coffee every single day? I'm not saying to take away anyone's coffee, but if your menstrual cycle, if you have concerns about your cycle, specifically, or if you have concerns about your adrenals or your cortisol, your progesterone, and you happen to drink three cups of coffee every day, at some point, my my suggestion is always, okay, well, let's just do an experiment. Like that's why we have the vital sign. That's why we have this, especially if you're charting. It's quite literally like, it's like a do-it-yourself science experiment kit or whatever. So you can take out the coffee for a cycle, chart, see what happens, put it back, chart, see what happens. And then you have your answer. I don't even have to say anything. 
Exactly. I totally hear you. You're absolutely right. I love I love this conversation so much. I know we're we're wrapping up towards the end. I wanted to just ask you specifically about the book and I know you've got a little free goodie for us as well. When you were thinking about writing the book, what was the biggest intention for you for this? That's such a good question. I mean, I think my biggest intention, I mean, the title, the fifth vital sign, sharing with women the the understanding that your menstrual cycle is important. It's an important part of health. It's a sign of health. As a, as a woman of reproductive age, having a healthy menstrual cycle is a sign that you are healthy. But beyond that, I wanted to make a lot of the research more accessible for women. As a fertility awareness educator, this is not a well-established field. There have been women and men working to increase awareness of fertility awareness, awareness of fertility awareness for years. But even to this day, a lot of people think it's not an effective method of birth control. They equate it with the rhythm method, et cetera, et cetera. So a big part of what I wanted to do was I didn't just want to say stuff. I didn't just want to create a hot air piece. I didn't want people saying like, Lisa told me this, et cetera. I wanted them to be able to read the book and if there's something that they're interested in or if there's something that they want to look more into to provide those citations so that you can see where the information is coming from. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's so, well-researched. <laughs> with over a thousand citations. It I mean, is. I mean, girl, I have 40 pages of bibliography in my book and I was like, Shh, I got nothing on Lisa over here. <laughs> I was like, half the book is citations. My goodness. No, I'm kidding. It's not half the... But yes, you cite... I mean, this is such a well-cited book. Well, and the part of it is that because I've worked in this field for a long time, I mean, I've spoken with so many women who they discover fertility awareness, they go out and buy their books, they go out, you know, work with somebody to, to gain their confidence in using the method. And then they go to their practitioner who tells them that it's not effective, discourages them from using it, basically laughs at them and tells them that they're going to be pregnant in a month. And this happens all the time, you know, and part of it is because fertility awareness is not something that is covered in medical schools. Like imagine that, right? Right. It's basically, they don't know any better by the way. If you guys were not picking that up with Lisa, what Lisa's trying to say right now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and so that's what, that was one of the main desires and intentions with the book was because I want to empower you as the woman, as the reader, so that you can feel confident in it in the face of a system that doesn't really support it yet, that hasn't really caught up yet, that doesn't really acknowledge that it's a legitimate, valid type of birth control, and that hasn't really acknowledged that the menstrual cycle is a legitimate biomarker of a woman's health. So I didn't just want it to be a fluff piece. I definitely wanted to empower the readers to say, okay, you know, this is, I, if I I'm curious about something, or if I'm reading something that goes contrary to what I've been taught, I actually have the ability to, you know, track down those research papers and and look at more into it myself. Mm-hmm. I agree. I mean, we and you are such a renegade for this as well. Women deserve better. We deserve different, and we deserve to go into that office with that doctor who, unfortunately, does not clearly understand what's going on with our bodies and to be able to advocate for our health and well-being. And this type of resource is exactly what we deserve. This is the type of health care that we should be demanding. And Lisa, you have done such a marvelous job at really providing a resource. You know, I always talk about how my book deserves a, if I could stamp one word on it, it would be empowerment. And that's what I think your book is as well. If I could stamp one word onto your book, it would be women's empowerment because that's exactly what it is. Thank you. That is just such a wonderful thing to say. I really appreciate that so much. Oh my goodness. Absolutely. So you have, so we, I don't, you know, I know that we're giving a gift of the first chapter of the book, but go and get it. Go, <laughs> go buy it. It's on Amazon. It's, it's all over the place. It's such a powerful book. I've been loving it. I'm so grateful to have you on today. Girls, if you've got nieces, if you yourself are still can just not necessarily clear on what's going on with your body, this is going to be the book that's going to give you so much, just so much empowerment, so much education about understanding fully. And I do believe, and I know Lisa agrees with me that we, all of us together as women, it is all of our responsibility to pass down this legacy of empowerment to our girls and to our our granddaughters and, and all the women who are stepping into womanhood right now, still a little confused about what's going on with their body. Absolutely. I couldn't have said it better myself. And it's, what's exciting to me is that when I 
first jumped into this almost 20 years ago, the landscape was really different and you had to go to the library <laughs> just to find information. Now, when I look around and I see so many amazing women like yourself really working to empower other women, really working to lift our, each other up, to educate, to illuminate, to empower, I'm just really excited for what the future has to bring because I feel like we're finally making some headway here. <laughs> Yes, we are. Slowly but surely, we are making headway. And um, so don't give up hope, ladies. We are out there. We are fighting for you. And this is a revolution. That's why we're doing this today. It's We're having these conversations. A revolution is word of mouth. That's how we do it. And um, Lisa, I just want to say thank you so much again, not only for coming on, but for devoting your life's work to this, to writing this book, to doubling down on the research and doing the work for us. So thank you so much. Thank you so much. It's been my pleasure to be here. So thank you for having me. Absolutely, honey. See you soon. I am so grateful for this incredible conversation today. I wholeheartedly support and agree with Lisa about valuing our menstrual cycle as an indicator of our overall health. Recently, I saw an article celebrating our ability to turn off our menstrual cycle with birth control and it upset me so much. There is still so much confusion around our periods and our menstrual cycle and the importance that it plays on our health, especially our reproductive health. If you want to learn more about how your cycle works, I wanna invite you to check out episode 41 that I personally tackled and wrote for you, and that was how to own your menstrual cycle with hormone balancing essential oils here on this podcast. But I also wanna encourage you to check out Lisa's book, and I love that she's giving us her first chapter for free in the fifth vital sign. You can grab that first chapter in the show notes for episode 93 or on my website at drmarisa.com slash podcast. Well, as always, thank you so much for stopping by and listening into the Essentially You podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. On the next episode, I am bringing on Dr. John Gray. Yes, the very author who wrote Men Are From Mars and Women Are From Venus. We will be talking about the connection between our relationships and hormone health. Because yes, it's no surprise that our hormones play a major role in our relationships, in our mood, and how we connect with one another. Now, I can't wait for you to check out this next episode with me and Dr. Gray, but in the meantime, as I mentioned earlier on the show, my goal is to spread the word about the Essential You podcast, and I love giving you a shout out for taking a moment to rate and review. So if you have a chance, go on and do that, or at least reach out to me via Insta so I can hear what you're loving most about these episodes. All right, talk to you guys soon. Bye.